I think the main problem is when we are not communicating well with the client. So we don't know or the client doesn't know what they want. We can deliver something if we don't know what we are delivering. Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com. Hey, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Gabriela Bevelacqua, Creative Director at Content Allies, and we will be talking about great designs, great marketing campaigns. I know you guys are ready, so let's get it. Gabby, how are you doing? Hi, Doc. I'm good, yeah. Thanks for inviting me here. Yeah, I'm really so excited to have you as well. So could you please tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and your role? Okay. Well, it all started when I was like 20 years. I was really young in that time, and... I'm from Venezuela, it's my home country. So I started there, like after college, I started like a little agency with some friends. And in that time, we started to learn about how to communicate with clients and how to manage a business from scratch. And then because of the country situation, politics and stuff, I have to migrate the country. So I went to Argentina where I have the opportunity to work in an agency too, but mostly like social media, printed media, but yeah, mostly social media. Yeah. And then Argentina was <laughs> in a bad situation too as a country, so I have to change the country again. And now I'm in Spain. I'm currently based here. And here I started as a freelancer at, at first. That's where I found out that's the style I like to work. I like to work at home. It's the place where I can concentrate better and get the most out of my creative side. So yeah, I started here and then I also worked in an agency here in Spain, which was mostly printed media, like advertising, billboards and stuff. And then I started with content alike. Right before there were a podcast agency. So I started from the bottom. I just did like simple graphics for them. And then when they moved to podcasting, I started to learn about that because I didn't know a thing about podcasts. And then I started to learn about websites for the podcast. I started to lend their brand guidelines for those podcasts because almost everyone that started there doesn't really have an actual image for their podcast. So I have to build all. And I find it really fun to do that. I really love it. And also I learn a lot about websites, but no code websites because I'm not a programmer. So it was a really good opportunity to learn. And now I am working as a creative director here in Content Allies and I have a team of 
to other designers. And yeah, that's pretty much it, how I started. Yeah, that sounds really great. And off the mic, we were both talking about how most times like to work behind the scenes, but your work has made you to become one of the best brand designers around. I've been a marketer for 11 years and I've met only three great designers and you are one of them, which is very well, good. So, <laughs> yeah, that's actually the truth. So what are the top three lessons that you've learned from your experience? Now I see you've even been into traditional media, you've done digital media, so you know everything when it comes to brand design. Yeah. What are the lessons you've learned? Yeah. When you're a designer, you have to learn a bit about everything, a little bit about everything, because you need to be involved in all the process to know more. So if I got to mention three top lessons will be like understanding the target audience that you are working with, because you have to do research before doing a design. You have to understand who you are communicating to in order to that be like efficient. And, and yeah, and to establish a, a connection with that target. And also, I can say consistency is the key because when you work with branding, you have to be consistent. So it's, you create a strong brand, a strong image. Also, you have to work with simplicity because there are a lot of things and the way you can stand out more is to be really simple and clear with your image so you can communicate better. Like, a clean message is, from my point of view, better for communication. Yeah. So that, I think those three lessons will be like, when it's important. And I love those as well. I think having the strategy in place, making things simple is two of my favorites. So I think our listeners definitely would appreciate some of those points. Eh? So let's get into the episode proper. You might be wondering where the title of the episode came from. Great designs, great brand marketing. That started from a global ad that Toyota ran back in the nineties. That says good thinking, good products. Yoshinai, Yokanai. So I thought that was really cool to use in the episode because of what we are talking about. So when it comes to design and marketing, the kind of marketing that delivers results, performance marketing, what do you think are the benefits of having the right design, the right creative? or the right media type in general when it comes to performance marketing or marketing in general. You started out by saying design has to be simple. I would believe that's one of them. But what are some of the other benefits from a consumer perspective to say, if I have a great design in my marketing campaign, these are the benefits my users stand to get. Okay, I think that where I like, for example, working with you is that marketers and designers should be always like in the same place. It's like a good couple in this business because, for example, you have to have a very visual appeal in order to communicate things well. Engagement. A well-designed marketing materials will capture the attention of the target and will increase the engagement and also a brand differentiation and recognition. If you make a brand, a design, sorry, that creates visual identity, you're setting your brand apart from other competitors and you're building recognition and loyalty. You also need to have user experience optimization. Your designs improve the user experience of website and landing pages, 
graphics in general. So you have to lead that to a better engagement. And also storytelling is important. A design that visually communicates a brand story through a good brand experience. So also you have to make the people trust your brand. So you have to be consistent with your brand and professional so people can trust your brand and make that engagement. Yeah, trust is very important. Consistency is also very important. And I think so one of the things you said that many people don't really talk about is the aspect of all marketing units working together. I've had interviews with some great guests in regards to marketing and sales coordination. But even within marketing, in today's world, it tends to be divided. So it's important for marketers, if you are listening right now, to collaborate as much as possible. Strategy meets creativity, basically. So I'm happy for you saying that. When it comes to the ingredients of a typical marketing material, what do you think the most important aspects to it? A good example is call to action. I know everybody probably knows that. But what are the other things you think a good brand design must contain or a good marketing design must contain? And this to the creative director who may be listening to this right now. Okay, there are many things, but I think most important is a great copy. You have to have a, a persuasive copy that highlights the benefits of the product you're selling. You have to have a compelling headline that wraps attention and engaging visuals. Of course, you have to create an emotional connection with them and align with the brand also. And you mentioned it, the call to action is very important. It has to be a clear call to action. So people can know exactly why are they doing that. The trust indicators that we were talking before, you have to create trust with the audience. So you have to include like testimonials, reviews, or trust badges in the website, for example, for credibility. Also, design-wise, you have to use mobile responsiveness for your design. Optimize that. And analytics and tracking, you have to use those tools to know if your work is really working, if your product is really working. I loved what you said about analytics. And just to add to what you said that I think there's a lot of testing that is involved in your space. So you are creating different versions of creatives so that you can see which one resonates better with the audience. But you are using tools like its website, you are using tools like Crazy Egg or Hotjar or Google Analytics, or even when you are running campaigns, you can test multiple ads and see which one give, delivers maybe the best conversion, for example or the best engagement. You mentioned that before as well. That's one of the things that you can combine both data and creativity or creative branding in your marketing operations to deliver the kind of results that people want. That's why it's really important that marketers and designers are really connected because you can tell me if that design is working or not. You can tell me what to improve and I can do it. So it's a good team. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add to that again, I know I was going to move on to the next question. From my experience, sometimes you have about its stint of the creative side, like you, even though you are more of an expert. But during my short stint in the creative world, some people will tell you, I don't like this. I don't like this banner. Why? They can't tell you. 
that doesn't help. If you are listening to this and you want to provide feedback, please provide constructive feedback. Don't just say, I don't like it. And then the person says, what don't you like about it? I don't know. I don't like it. That's hard to manage. And it happens a lot with clients that doesn't really know what they want. So you have to guide them. You have to do a design that works, but that also is what the client wants. You have to make a balance there because most of the time clients don't know what they want and you have to be like an advisor for them and make it work. Yeah. You have to be the experts. They pay you to bear their body basically. So <laughs> let's talk about AI. Everybody's talking about AI. It's almost definite at this point. When it comes to AI generated images or AI image generators, do you think that will be a benefit to creative directors going forward? And why am I asking this? I'm asking because as we speak right now, we have people already signing petitions, writers signing petitions, suing companies to court because they feel AI is beginning to take up their jobs. Is that kind of thing happening in the creative world or you guys have found a way to basically leverage AI? enhance what you are doing okay like for me this has been many controversy in this theme but for me ai it's a really great tool for creatives right. but it's just that a tool it won't replace all the people maybe it will reduce the cost but not replace people because you have to tell the ai what to do you have to talk with the client first and <laughs> once you understand what he wants you have to tell that so you can use it as a very good tool also if you're like got a creative block you can use the ai to inspire you to other creative paths and so you can yes you can use that to your benefit to your advantage to save time to do more to be more efficient time-wise but i know there's been trouble because for example with illustrators there's been some ai that has copy the style of the illustrators. Yeah, that's not good. I don't agree with that, of course, because that's stealing other people's jobs. Yeah. But yeah, in many other cases, not only in design, but for you as a marketer and for me as a designer, it's really important. Yeah. I think it's a really powerful tool that has come to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about creative block. I never thought about that before, but yeah, that's a bit of a a sudden realization to say a lot of marketers and even most especially creative or brand creative designers or creatives do face design block. They reach this level where they don't know how to move forward with particular projects and AI might be able to help them in that decision-making process. And I often tell people, one way to know an intelligent person in the tech sector is to ask them about AI. And then they give you this answer then they are intelligent. AI cannot really function if somebody doesn't tell you what to do. So you have thought on that. Like you have to be the strategist. You have to tell it what to do. At least at this point, it cannot really do it itself. So if you are trying to save your job, be at the point where you are strategic. If you think AI is going to save your job, why not upskill yourself to a point whereby you have enough strategic experience or knowledge or training 
to be able to advise AI on how to do stuff. That way you are always in a good place. And that's what I tell everybody that I always say, AI is going to take our job, AI is going to take our job. They might take some jobs, but there will be still be a lot of jobs left. And the jobs that are left is the job of the master. AI is the servant as of today, or the partner or the sidekick. So that was really interesting in having you to say that. Let's talk about branding for a bit. I know this might get a bit confusing with AI coming in and there's brand dope replication, there's deep fakes, there's brand stealing, there is piracy. All those things I think might increase a little bit because of AI. I may be wrong, but what is your advice in general to systemizing a consistent brand when it comes to fast growing companies? The bigger a company becomes, the more confusing certain things get, which is why having brand guys are always very important. Of course, I'm not saying go get a Bible of 500 pages and a complete dissertation on or PhD thesis on your brand. No, but having a system, having a small little amounts of documentation that could help fast growing companies. So what are some of the other ideas in systemizing these processes so that the brand is consistent no matter how big they become? Yeah, you have to establish a clear brand guidelines that defines your visual identity and messaging. You have to create a centralized brand repository for easy access to your assets. You have to provide training to the marketing team on brand guidelines so everybody is on the same page. Yeah, you can use templates also. We do that on Contentalized. We use templates for the podcast graphics so we can be efficient with time. We can communicate with the members to see if everything is in a good place. And of course, you can use the tool that we were talking about, the AI. You can use this leverage technology and automation tools to be more efficient with your brand assets. I think a lot of our marketers listening right now, they are probably working on some of the things you've said, except for the training side of things. So I will say this, if you are a marketing leader, make sure to incorporate brand training as part of the processes, whether it's onboarding or refresh or so on and so forth. If you are just starting out in the marketing space or as a creative, even, I would suggest that ask for that training, for that brand training, if it's needed. Sometimes it's a self-service training. Sometimes it's a training that comes from some other facilitator. But ask for the training. I think it's not just important to having the process, having the documents, having information and all that. Well, if there is no training, then that mindset is not fixed, which is often a big problem when it comes to brand inconsistency. And thanks for mentioning that, really, because that's the one of my biggest point that I was thinking about. When it comes to creating user experiences, you have mentioned this when you started your introduction about the no-code website creation. And personally, I'm on the same boat as you. As long as you deliver a great website experience, it doesn't matter if it's code or codeless. Developers will definitely not agree with this, but I definitely think that is the way to go going forward. What are your best practices for enterprise brands that are looking to create microsites that are great? And I'm talking about great microsites that are not outsourced, for example. What do you think are some of the best practices for enterprise brands to do this? 
I think this no-code website builders are really great because it's not only for designers. Anybody with a little training can make a website. And that's important nowadays to communicate. You doesn't exist if you don't have a website as a brand. So, of course, first you have to have your brand guidelines define it. You have to start with that. And then you can keep the design consistent with your brand identity, the design of the website. Of course, you have to optimize your microsite for mobile viewing that we're talking about before, because nowadays everybody's on their mobile phones looking everything fast there. So it has to work on every gadget. Yeah. And simplify the navigation. You don't need a hundred menu items unless you're selling a lot of products, but yeah, simple is better in this case. So you have to yeah simplify your navigation and your using interface. You have to use compelling visuals and engaging content. You have to focus on the page speed and performance because if the page has like a very big image that doesn't load, people are going to get bored and they're going to close the site. And we were talking about analytics and insights before, and that's important to mention on the website. Use the feedback that if clients can give you feedback about your website also works. Yeah, it's a bit of an unpopular thing to tell enterprise companies to work on no-code websites on their own. But I personally think that it's a quick means to get initiatives out of the way because standard development teams are very bureaucratic, right? They will say, oh, we'll get back to you in two weeks. We'll get back to you in four weeks because they are working on different projects at the same time. Marketers on their own should be able to Based on all the things you've said, like the brand guides and the analytics and all that, they should be able to build no-code websites on their own and run the campaigns that they want to run without having too much logistical truncation, if I would say that, from the web team who is probably busy with something else or building one or two things. And I think a, a couple of brands are already doing this. We've seen some very big brands use some of these tools. I'm about to get into tools now, so I wouldn't speak on tools yet, but some of the tools that many of us know, enterprise brands are using the VIP or enterprise edition of those tools to be able to build stuff on their own and move forward with performance marketing campaign. Whether it's B2B or B2C, even though B2B is really not focused yet. So again, let's move to tools. I'd like you to give me three no-code website builders for our next house right now. Top three. First, I will say Squarespace because <laughs> this is the one I use. It's really user-friendly. It's really easy. It also had its limitations because you can't do anything. If you want like a really specific thing, you might have to use another one that calls Webflow that has more like code involved there. Webflow is good for... Designers like this a lot because you can like do almost anything as you are a coder because it has a lot of features. Yep. Squarespace is easier, but it works good. If you had a simple thing to sell, you can use that. But yeah, the other will be that Webflow. And also Wix is another popular, but I haven't the, the chance to use it yet. Also WordPress, but you have to know a little bit code to use WordPress. Yeah. 
at least the basic stuff. And the good thing about these tools is that you can use template. You can buy a template that has already all that done for you. You just need to swap the images, your logo, your fonts, etc. But yeah, that's pretty much, you can build a website like in three hours or less. If you're building, of course, a simple website or a landing page. So let me tell you the list I had in my mind. I had Squarespace, Webflow, and WordPress. So yeah, you match that. I was like, oh, is she going to mention something else? It's a thing. So guys, you heard it. We have Wix. I've used Wix personally in the past as well. Squarespace, Webflow, WordPress websites constitute about 40% of all websites in the world. So that's crazy huge right now. WordPress does come with some great builders as well. The Bakery Builder or Elementor. Elementor, I think, is the closest when it comes to like ease of use and things like that. But I know there are many other tools out there, but I think we both agree here on this episode that you need to chase those four and just build that experience, build that website as quick as possible. When it comes to design teams, it's obvious to everyone that design teams need to sync with content marketing and media buying teams. I know we've mentioned it like three times now, so feel free to breeze over it if you want, but from your experience, can you tell us the challenges that you guys face from a creative side, working with performance marketers, and how do you think people can overcome those challenges? Full disclosure, I work with you on a day-to-day, so please feel free to put me on the spot right here, live on the podcast. I think it is our case that we work on the same company and we have a very good communication. So I didn't face a problem yet with that. I think the main problem is when we are not communicating well with the client. So we don't know or the client doesn't know what they want. We can deliver something if we don't know what we are delivering. So I think that's the main challenge, like communication with the team or with the client. If communication is good, the work is going to be good. Yeah. Also deadlines. In many cases, we have like very tight deadlines. And that's a thing that can interfere with that creative process because you work better if you had more time to do it. You don't have that pressure. So if you ask me to do something within the hour, it's not the same result as if I had all the day long to work on that. But there's also a saying that done is better than perfect. <laughs> I think it was Mark Zuckerberg that we had said that, but yeah, I don't know if he has confirmed or denied it. Yes, I think it's, that is important. Communication and good deadlines to work with, time and communication. Yeah, I think we've flogged the issue of communication as much as possible. People don't know what they want. They assume you know what they want. They are not here as they can. But I would like to add more to what you said on the second point, which is deadlines. I think the way I have solved that personally in working with you is, okay, this is the tight deadline I know that, but will it be beneficial if I do the creative work myself so that Gabby and our team can then execute? What sometimes happens is that marketers or marketing leaders, they don't even think, they don't do any strategy brief 
They don't do any strategic communication. They don't do any strategic thinking. They just tell people to say, I need this design or this media stuff done in a very short timeline. I don't care how you do it, just do it, which is really not the best way to go. I think if you're listening right now and you're a marketing leader or an aspiring marketing leader, it's important to acknowledge that first of all, you may not be able to control timelines. It's just the way it works in corporate world. You might have some time for some things. You might not have some time for some things. Everybody's busy. However, if you are in a situation where the timeline is not right, then you need to do the strategic work on your own. You need to be able to communicate to the creative person to say, okay, this is what needs to be done. This is why it needs to be done. This is exactly how it needs to be done to be able to achieve this kind of purpose. And that way, it's easier for the creative person to maybe criticize what you're saying because they are fully aware of what it is. Or just accept it, love it, and execute. But if you have time, of course, if creative can explore their creativity or the time that they have. So I think that's how I've personally struck that balance. And I could come across as a very detailed person when it comes to creative projects. But even in that detail, I always like to communicate the direction so that I spare the creative person not to stifle their creativity. No, that's not what I'm saying, but it takes away enough hassle to allow the creative person still enjoy what they are doing and try. Is that something you would agree with? Yeah, totally. It's like you're giving more resources to the creative to work with. That, that definitely makes creative work easier. Yeah. And faster, of course, more and more efficient because If I had like a brief or a document with all the things, very organized things that I should do, then my work will be faster because I don't have to do so much research or, well, he was thinking here or no. If we communicate well and in both ways, I can ask new things. You can ask me to do things that works for the campaign or something. So yeah, communication and teamwork. Is the best tool for us. Teamwork makes the dream work. Totally. Let us talk about rebranding. This is not, of course, many times as we think, but during your career, I'm sure you've come across a bunch of these already. And sometimes it could be tough for the creative person involved when it comes to rebranding. And I want to get a feel of what your experience is. Like, have you ever had an experience with a company that just rebranded And what are the approach? How did you handle that situation? What are the lessons that you learned, especially when there's an active campaign in progress? What are some of the things that you've learned to ensure that the brand transition is as smooth as possible? Yes, I have experienced that. And I actually enjoy the rebrandings because I don't know, I like to see the before and after things and I get satisfaction when the clients really get what they want. I really enjoy the process also. So yeah, we were talking about communication before, and this is also the same case. You have to be open and transparent, communicate with the client what they want, what will work also. So you have to be an advisor for them. Involve all the creative team in the rebranding process. You have to develop a comprehensive brand guidelines for consistency also. You have to create a detailed plan for updating that campaigns, what assets 
does the client need? What assets are important? What has to go first? You have to maintain a quality control to keep that consistency also in the transition and also test and have like feedback from the client or for the audience and also provide ongoing support and education for the creative team. If you're updating something, you have to involve all the team. So we are all on the same page and we keep the brand consistent. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think developing a process and updating the ongoing support is very important because if you don't properly communicate with the stakeholders involved, somebody might think, oh, okay, I think this is how we're still doing this, but they don't really know that it's already changed. So having a system of communication definitely is something that helps. I can remember a very good example of something that we do is, for example, every couple of months or every year, we get to update something on the website. Something as simple as copyright on the photo of a website is something that brands, they just struggle to keep up with. That's because nobody monitoring it. There is no communication in regards to when that is to be done and things like that. So I agree with you that it's really important to get that communication line systemized is the word that we could use there. Yeah. Make it systemized. Gabby, it's been an awesome time speaking with you. I think after this episode is live, you know, companies will be calling you for conferences. So let me know when that happens. When can our marketers and business owners find you, they need help developing a brand strategy or designing digital experiences in general? Well, I got my portfolio on Behance. It's Behance at Gabriela Bevilacqua and also on LinkedIn. I'm as Gabriela B. So yeah, that's where they can find me. Yeah, that is awesome. Thank you so much. If you're listening, please follow Gabriela on those channels. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. See more episodes at dotslovesmarketing.com. By the way, dotslovesmarketing.com was designed and built by Gabby herself. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast as well. If you're listening, Marketing Leadership on Apple and Spotify. Till next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com.